0: Hey, we're so happy you found us online. The message you're about to hear was recorded live at Grace Family Church. We're a community following the call to love God, love people, and make a difference. We meet at four locations around Durban and at graceonline.tv. Go ahead and share this message, or you can download it and listen to it in your car or at home later today. Wherever you are in the world, wherever you're listening from, thank you for connecting with us, and may you be encouraged by the message coming up next. Now, with just a few days until Christmas, I have noticed, and maybe you have too, the sort of pressure valve increasing. People are stressed. People are are freaking out. Out there on the roads, in the shops, in the queues. On Tuesday last week, I had to take one of our kids to the dentist. Love going to the dentist with small children in the school holidays. And while we're standing at the reception desk, there is a lady in front of us, and she is grumpy, and she is giving it to this receptionist about appointments and time. And my son says to me, Mom, this lady needs to learn some manners. And I was like, you're telling me. And then we went to the pharmacy, and it was like packed, and there were queues, and people are stressed out, and they're trying to get themselves organized before they go on holiday. And then you get to the parking lot, and it's not like, ho, 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 Merry Christmas. It's like, daw, 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 what are you doing, you idiot? You know, people are losing their freaking minds out there. And I'm like, whoo, hello, joy, 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 joy to the world. Where did it go? You know, we have this whole Christmas is like, you know, the most wonderful time of the year, but everybody is losing their minds. So where is the joy? What happens to joy at Christmas? And why do we associate joy with Christmas when it's clearly a very stressful time for a lot of people, for a lot of different reasons? The reason why joy is such an important part of the Christmas celebration is that it was an important part of Jesus' life. When Jesus was born, the angels cried out, I bring you good news of a great joy, cried the angel, which shall come to all people, even the people at Gateway Parking Lot. And Jesus, when he left this earth, the last thing he said to his disciples was a message of joy. He said, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Jesus' life started and ended with messages of joy. But why is joy so absent in society? Well, I think one of the reasons, there are many, and one of them is that it's not cool to be joyful. It's not cool to be, you know, it's not considered sophisticated and mature, to be enthusiastic and playful and fun. We're kind of taught from when we're little to be careful, not carefree. And it's kind of like, you know, we're supposed to be shrewd and discerning and a little bit bored, you know? A little bit like we're too good to be excited about what's going on right now. In fact, I would suggest that, you know, if you're not tired or grumpy, then are you even adulting? You know, like, are you a grown up if you're not stressed out? It's not cool to be full of joy. I remember at university, I I didn't drink at all, but I loved dancing. And often on a Monday, I'd have people come up to me in lectures and be like, sheesh, Jess, you were so drunk on Friday night. And I'd be like, no, dude, those are my moves. That is how I dance. And And I was like, oh my, this is just how I am. And then I remember one night, my favorite song at the time came on and I was so excited and I ran out, ready to shred up the dance floor, and my friend Matt turns to me and he went, geez, Jess, just calm down. And I had this shame storm of like, I was so embarrassed. And um, well, it was Madonna, like a prayer. I mean, like, how do you not dance to that song anyway? But I was so embarrassed in that moment because it's not cool to be excited and from young, 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 we're told, you know, life is hard, you've got to work hard, you've got to make a plan. In fact, this guy, Harvey Cox, I love what he says. It hit me so hard when I read this. He says, modern humanity has been pressed so hard towards useful work and rational calculation. They have all but forgotten the joy of ecstatic celebration. When I read that and I reflected over the last couple of weeks, over this year, I realized that I have lost so much joy in 2019. And as I thought about this, I thought, you know, the opposite of joy is not sadness. Sadness is a feeling that that comes and goes. The opposite of joy is cynicism. It's cynicism, and I'll tell you why. Because cynicism is the feeling of distrust and that something isn't going to work out well. Cynicism is, is where you expect the worst from people and from life. It's kind of a choice to be distrusting, to expect that you know, people are gonna let you down, that people are selfish. And I've realized that over this year, for lots of different reasons, I have become cynical. And in contrast to this definition of cynicism, we have the definition for joy. And the one that I want to look at is from Pastor Rick Warren, who wrote The Purpose-Driven Life. He says this about joy. He says, joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details in my life. The quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right. And the determined choice to praise God in every situation. And how I want joy back. I long for joy. And I know that there are a lot of good reasons for us to lose our joy. I think for many people, 2019 has been a tough year. Tough financially, tough in terms of health and relationships, in the economy, in our country, in our own personal lives. But one of the reasons that we lose joy is not just because things are difficult, But Brene Brown, who's a social researcher, she says that one of the reasons we lose joy is that joy is one of the most vulnerable emotions we can experience. It feels risky to be joyful. And if you cannot tolerate joy, what you do is you start dress rehearsing tragedy. This is called foreboding joy. Joy, This kind of dress rehearsing, practicing for tragedy is when we feel joy, when you have a glimpse of something joyful, it feels so vulnerable that we start to play out the worst case scenario. I don't know if I know I sometimes do this. You know, I, I, I look at my kids, I think, oh, I love them so much. You are so beautiful. You're so amazing. I don't know what I'll do if anything happens to you. And you start dress rehearsing worst case scenarios. Or you wake up and things are actually going all right. Like, you know, you're enjoying your work and your family is healthy. And then you think that can't last. What's going to happen today? This is too good to be true. A parking lot right here and a red ro- and a green robot. No, something's going on. That's called foreboding joy. And the reason that we do it, the reason why we can't enjoy ourselves and we can't be present to the goodness that is happening in the moment is because it feels so vulnerable, because it feels risky if something goes wrong. And yet we still long for joy. I still long for joy. And so this morning, on this very last Christmas, before the most wonderful time of the year, before joy to the world is proclaimed to us at Christmas, my hope is that together we can rediscover some joy. Perhaps you've had some joy stolen from you this year, you've lost a little way, or you've picked up some cynicism and you didn't realize how much of it you're carrying around with you. My hope is that today, the cry of the angels, joy to the world would be both an invitation and a challenge. So let's look at scripture. And and the interesting thing is that if we're gonna pursue joy, then we need to make sure, what is joy? What is it that we're looking for and longing for? Because there is a huge difference between joy and happiness. In fact, in scripture, if you look at the English Standard Version, joy or rejoicing or joyful is mentioned 430 times. The word happy or happiness is only mentioned 10 times. There is a difference here and God has something to say about joy. Now the first difference between joy and happiness is that joy, is, happiness is chance, Joy is choice. Happiness is chance, and joy is choice. Happiness is based on our circumstances. It is attached to the external things that are going on in our lives, the things that we have no control over. The source of happiness is outside of ourselves, and therefore we have no control over it, and that can produce so much anxiety. And then we chase it, and we pursue it, and we, we like look for this elusive thing called happiness. And you know where happiness lives? Happiness lives in the land of one day when. One day when I'm healthy. One day when I have a better salary. One day when I get married. One day when we have children. One day when you know, I, I get my dream job. One day when I finish school. Then I will be happy. And because happiness is this external thing that's attached to stuff we have no control over, we cannot make it happen. And we live our lives hustling for happiness. But here's the good news. That word gospel, the gospel of Jesus, that word gospel means good news. Here is the good news about joy. Joy doesn't just happen by chance. Joy is choice. And that is very empowering because when we can choose something, we have agency over it. You see, joy is not attached to circumstances. Joy, in fact, actually surpasses the things that happen to us. So if happiness happens to us, joy is something we generate. It's something we cultivate from within. Because it isn't attached to the environment and the ifs and buts of life that are out of our control. The ancient prophet Habakkuk, he said this, though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in these terrible circumstances that are going on in my life? No, in God, my Savior. You see, what Habakkuk is saying is that God is the source of our joy, not this environmental stuff that is happening around us. Habakkuk is saying the creator of the universe is your source, not the creation. Habakkuk is saying that the eternal one not fleeting circumstances that come and go and things get better and then they get worse. That's not the source of our joy. The eternal one is the source of our joy. The saving one, the present one. He says, my God, my savior, which means somebody who is right there with you, not some distant, far off guy in the sky. That's not where we get our joy from. We get our joy from from the presence, the immediacy, the here-ness of God. And that's where this link between Jesus and joy comes in. Because when Jesus was born, the world was given a tangible, specific, physical expression of God with us. God is here and everything is going to be okay. No matter how badly things go for us circumstantially, we can choose to be joyful because of who God is, not because of how things are going. We can choose to be joyful instead of waiting to feel joyful. And that is the gift of Jesus, that Jesus is with us, within us, not some external thing that happens or doesn't happen. That's why Paul writes to the church in Philippi, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. And he says, do it again and do it again and do it again, because it's not a feeling you chase, it's a choice that you make. Choose joy. The second difference between joy and happiness, we've got happiness is by chance, joy is by choice. The second difference is that happiness is fleeting but joy is a fruit. I have two little boys and they have very different personalities. The oldest one, Will, knows where all his stuff is. He never loses any of his toys. They are all very organized. They're like alphabetized and color-coded and he is just like his father, okay? Luke, on the other hand, Luke has a much more relaxed relationship with material possessions. He is always losing his stuff. If one of his friends says, oh, I like your car, he would be like, yeah, you can have it. Which is why Will has a much bigger marble collection than Luke, because Luke just gives his marbles to Will. And so the other day, I said to him, Luke, where's your ninja star? Because our, our kids have ninja stars, just to keep me on my toes. Lukey, where's your ninja star? He goes, ah, it comes and goes. Happiness. It's like Luke's ninja star. It comes and goes, meh, it comes and goes. It comes like a wave and it sweeps you off your feet and then it's gone with the tide and you don't know where it went. Happiness comes with peaks and troughs. You cannot pin it down, you can't hold on to it. It rises and falls and we are at the whim of happiness. But joy, joy is a fruit. What do I mean by that? Well, in first century of the Christian church, Paul the apostle was trying to find language, he was trying to find words to help the early church understand what the Holy Spirit was like. And one of those metaphors was that of fruit. Paul was explaining to them that the fruit of your life, the sort of outcome of your life, the evidence of the Holy Spirit, comes from what is happening within you. The fruit of your life is linked to the internal change and growth and life and rewiring that the Holy Spirit does. And so Paul writes to the church in ancient Turkey saying the fruit of the Spirit, he's saying the evidence that the Holy Spirit is in you, the outcome of the Holy Spirit, the product, the produce of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and then this is important, against such there is no law. And what he's saying is, hey guys, there aren't rules and laws and kind of jumping through hoops that make you joyful and self-controlled and gentle and kind. That's not an effort thing, that's not a work thing. It's the Holy Spirit that produces those things in our lives. It's the Holy Spirit's work in our hearts and in our minds that makes us joyful. And this is the second link between Jesus and joy. Because when Jesus was born, humanity was able to physically and emotionally and experientially know the Holy Spirit. Up until that time, the Holy Spirit or the presence of God, the presence of God was limited to temples or to mountains, it was available to special, holy, religious people, but when Jesus was born, the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, was now available to ordinary people, like you and me. We could now know, without doubts and our questions and our imperfections and our issues, we could now receive the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, and anyone who received Jesus receives joy. This week, I went to visit Paul and Pippa Rowney. Some of you will know them. They're part of this community and they've just had a little baby girl. She's so cute. And I was sitting there with her on my shoulders, like a tiny little bean bag of a baby. And I was like, oh, this is so precious. I felt like babies just bring so much joy into the world. And then I was like, yeah, but also poopy nappies and sleepless nights and the crying and then how the baby gets there. It's like, you know, painful and messy and complicated. It's labor. It's hard work. It doesn't make sense. It's not logical that babies bring joy. But they do. They do. And, and I started to think, you know, it's like a baby is this picture of new life, of a fresh start, of a beginning. And they're able to kind of, th- th- their life lies before them unmarred. You see, the Holy Spirit is like a midwife. The Holy Spirit is the one walking alongside us to new life and second chances and transformation and new beginnings. The Holy Spirit is like a midwife helping us to give birth, to produce, to kind of bring joy and love and peace into the world. Journeying along next to us in our transformation and our change that we're not alone kind of helping us to breathe. (laughs) Kind of bringing new life into the world. That is what the Holy Spirit does, helping us move towards rebirth. The Holy Spirit facilitates joy in our lives beyond circumstances. The Holy Spirit brings us joy from within us that is, you know, despite the pain and the messiness, and the complications, and the hard work, the Holy Spirit draws joy out of us. And so as followers of Jesus, we are not called to pursue happiness. We are called to choose joy. Happiness is a chance. Joy is a choice. Happiness is fleeting. It's like a ninja star, guys. It comes and goes. Joy is a fruit of someone else's labor, the Holy Spirit. So, I don't know about you, but who wants some joy in 2020? I'm telling you, 2019, don't let the door hit you on the way out. 2019 has been a hard year. I am excited to see the back of it, okay? And to look forward to a new year, where regardless of our economy, And regardless of whatever's happening in your family or your finances, regardless of your job prospects or your health, we can choose joy. It doesn't matter what happens when we are not looking to our circumstances for our joy, but to the creator, to the eternal one, to God. So how do we do that? How do we choose joy? How can we make 2020 a joyful year no matter what comes our way? I wanna give you three things that I think are gonna help us. The first one is perspective. The second one is purpose. And third, we're gonna party, okay? Those three things are things we are able to do to generate and choose and cultivate joy. So the first one, perspective. Listen to this beautiful scripture from Psalm 16, verse 11. The writer is speaking to God You make known to me the path of life. You want to know what 2020 is going to be like? You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You see, when we are in God's presence, we see his perspective. When we are in God's presence, we can see the path, the way forward from God's point of view. When we are in God's presence, we can experience joy and we can experience pleasure because we can see what is going on with God's eyes. Giving ourselves opportunities to be in God's presence can give us great joy regardless of what is going on in our lives. What do I mean by God's presence? For some of us, that's worship, like the singing that we had earlier today. And what happens when we sing is that we say these words, we speak these words over our lives, we realign and reorientate ourselves and remind ourselves of that who God is and who we are, and in that we can find great joy. Worship often generates joy. For me, I find joy in God's presence when I'm in nature. The sense of awe and wonder of the sea or the beach or going for a walk in the Virginia bush, I love doing that, sitting in my garden. For me, I get a fresh perspective on life when I'm in nature because I'm seeing things from God's perspective. One of the best ways to get God's perspective on your circumstances is with gratitude. Research shows beyond what the Bible says and what we experience, there are scientific studies that show that people who have a profound sense of joy in life, even though their circumstances suggest they should not be joyful, people who have a profound sense of joy have that because they practice gratitude. Because when we practice gratitude, we see the good part of a tough situation. We get a different perspective. The second way that I want to invite you and challenge you to find joy in this year that is to come is with purpose. Do you want to hear some good news? Something that will bring you great joy? It's not about you. So many of us have reduced our world to just us and our problems. And that is a stressful way to live. But the good news is, it's not about us. Life is not all about us. I love the story from scripture. Paul is writing a letter to the church in Corinth, and he is describing to them a community that live in Macedonia. And this is what he says. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches in Macedonia. Four in a severe test of affliction, 2019 anybody? In a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. This community discovered that even in a time of extreme poverty and severe affliction, when they were generous, they had an abundance of joy. Generosity generates joy. When we find purpose, where you are giving, where we are making it not about us, we find great joy. Earlier this year, we were on our way to school, I needed to fill up with petrol, I didn't have any cash or change to give to the petrol attendant. So I said to him, I'm so sorry, I don't have cash with me right now, thank you for, for helping us out this morning. And as I was about to drive away, Will, my oldest, trips from the back of the car, he goes, wait, 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 mom, I've got some money. And from his very organized, color-coded, alphabetized little set of goodies that he like has in his bag, he pulls out a 10 rand note, and he hands it to me, and I said, no, oh, no, you give it to him, babe. So he rolls down his window and he gives us petrol 10, 10 Rand and off we go to school. Well, we arrive at the school parking lot and we're doing the whole hustle and bustle. Come on, get out this car guys, we're gonna be late. And Will's just sitting there and I look at him and he goes, mom, I feel so good. And I said to him, boy, that is what generosity feels like. Guys, if you're feeling miserable, give some money away. Give some time away. Give some of your food and your clothes away. It feels good to be generous. It generates joy. If you're feeling miserable and cynical about church and religion and Christians, go help on the Alpha course. There is nothing more joyful than seeing someone get baptized. If you're feeling miserable about South Africa and you're kind of feeling sorry for yourself and you're feeling down, go on a day mission or a night mission. Go paint a house or clean a toilet or plant some seeds. Remind yourself, it's not so bad after all. It feels good. Purpose, purpose will bring you joy. And then finally, I know this is the one you've been waiting for. We're going to party when I was working in the States with little kids in, in like a preschool, I, would, I said to this little boy, who was like two years old, I'm like, do you need to go potty? And he nods at me and we walk off to the bathroom and he looks around and he goes, where's the party? And I was like, oh, I'm gonna have to work on my American accent. Potty, party, I'm gonna, we're gonna talk like South Africans, we're gonna party. Okay, Oz, oh, you seriously gonna party next year? We are going to intentionally celebrate because celebration makes us strong. Celebrating gives us energy. Joy gives us strength. Celebration is what brings joy into our lives. And so often we have forgotten how to celebrate. You may have heard the scripture, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Well, if you backtrack a little, this is what it says. Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks. And send some to those who haven't prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Eat, drink and be merry. It reminds us of the goodness of God, the provision of God. Joy is like a motor that keeps everything going. And far and above all of this, one of the things that celebration and partying and having fun can do for us is it reminds us not to take ourselves so seriously. It is an occupational hazard for Christians to become stuffy and boring and take themselves very, very seriously. We tend to, to kind of take ourselves far too seriously and it shouldn't be this way because of all the people We should be the most alive. We have resurrection life. We should be the most free with the spirit of the Lord as there is freedom. After all, Jesus rejoiced so much. He was accused of being a drunkard and a glutton. And I'm afraid to say that there are many of us who are unlikely to be accused of such things because we are taking ourselves very seriously in the church. Now, guys, I am not recommending an off the rails romp into destruction and sin, okay? In fact, if you look through scripture, Paul writes don't get drunk on wine, rather be drunk in the Holy Spirit, because it's fun. But here's what, here's what I'm saying when we cultivate a wide, generous appreciation of life, of the goodness that is all around us. It actually heals us. It restores joy to us. It helps us to relax and see what God has provided. We're able to laugh at ourselves when we have fun. Jesus had a great sense of humor. In fact, some of his parables are like really comical. And it it is so helpful to us to sometimes realize That the things that that we have made mountains out of molehills, we have taken ourselves far too seriously. And that in times of celebration, in times of celebration, it doesn't matter if you are rich or poor or powerful or powerless. When we stand in awe and marvel of the goodness of God in life, it restores our joy. Celebration makes us strong. And I know we're gonna need strength in 2020. I am not suggesting that we silver line the problems that come our way, but we can choose what perspective we're gonna take on them. So this Christmas, I dare you to choose joy, to laugh and to play and to have fun, as irresponsible as that may feel. A few years ago, our family said, okay, guys, we're not giving Christmas presents. We are making Christmas presents. We are only making Christmas presents. And so many of you know my 60-something-year-old father, uh, Mark, who started this church, you know, the big shot main Oak. His gift to us was a music video of him lip-syncing opera. I do not know when he found the time to learn all the words to Osolomio. He filmed himself in a number of different outfits, spent hours editing it into a music video, and on Christmas Day handed each person in the family a DVD of him (laughs) lip-syncing opera. And let me tell you, we laughed like I have never, uh, we almost fell off our chairs sitting around on Christmas lunch. Okay? Have some fun this Christmas, guys, for goodness sake. It's the best present I've ever had, from I don't remember any of the others, but that one. Enjoy music and food and each other. Take your cue from the kids, they know how to play and not take themselves so seriously. Be silly this Christmas. I'm gonna ask the band to come up back onto the stage. On Tuesday of this week, Tom and I celebrated 14 years of marriage. I know, I'm a saint. <laughs> 14 years of marriage. And as I was reflecting on that, I remembered how in our very first home together, we put up the scripture on the wall. It was up for the whole time we lived in that house, but we moved out of that house, we had kids, our lives changed, and I realized that we have lost sight of the scripture which we had set out before us 14 years ago. I want to share it with you this morning. This is Ecclesiastes 7, 9, verse 7 to 10. Seize life. Eat bread with gusto. That means that banting is unbiblical. Okay. Drink wine with a robust heart. Oh, yes, God takes pleasure in your pleasure. Dress festively every morning. Don't skimp on colors and scarves. Relish life with the spouse you love each and every day of your precarious life. Each day is God's gift. It's all you get in exchange for the hard work of staying alive. Make the most of each one. Whatever turns up, grab it and do it. And heartily. Once you stand, let's sing, let's celebrate.